0: Hey, it's Chris. And Kylie. We're just a couple of jerks who need help following Jesus. Our podcast is all about humility. And finding direction and purpose. Especially when life gets hard or things don't turn out like we thought they would. Welcome to Following Jesus for Jerks.
1: Howdy, Chris. Oh. Howdy. Howdy? <laughs> We're from the West. Howdy ho, neighbor. Hey. Hey. How are you feeling about, um we had snow this week?
0: We did! I know, where'd that come from? It was pretty. The sky. Thank you. Jeez, yeah. It was, it was, it was pretty. It was. It was. Oh. But, uh, yeah. What? You
1: know. One day? Day and a half? kinda of melted off?
0: Not even. Oh, it didn't even last my, Oh, last it did long. at our place. Oh, did it? No, not We on. got it
1: actually decent. Amount no. For November. Middle of November. <laughs> yeah. So excuse I just, me.
0: yeah, excuse, excuse you. No, we didn't, uh, I mean, it was gone. Did you go sledding? Yeah. Yeah. We went, we went sledding. So no, it was gone. It was gone like nothing. Yeah. I mean, it must not have been the same, you know, downtown Fort Wayne instead of just North Fort Wayne where you yeah. are.
1: Well, I mean,
0: you are further north.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I thought it was, it was nice. It was. But it's nice that it's 60 degrees today. Is it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's nice out.
0: Oh man. I put the grill away. I need to pull it back out. Mm
1: -hmm. I've been grilling still. I just put it like just outside my garage door. Okay, but it's it's about done.
0: Yeah, you think today's last day for grilling?
1: I don't know. Let's ask our let's ask our guest.
0: Well, why don't you tell us about our guest?
1: Welcome, John Swanson.
2: (laughs) Are you grilling still? (laughs) We haven't grilled for a while, but the grill is always out. Yeah.
1: Well, that's true. We don't put ours away. We welcome John Swanson. Um, you look scared that I'm going to introduce you in some way. You have a lot on your on your <laughs> the Wikipedia page. We
0: never have someone uh, in here who's just like does one thing.
1: No. Yeah. John is very multi. In
2: other words, you get people who can't hold a job. <laughs> really long resumes. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, but you're you are a doctor, not medical. Right. A reverend. Right. I mean that those are th- I'm pulling this stuff off of your website. Your multiple websites. Multiple website author. Uh, but most importantly, dad, husband, what else? Teacher, consultant, chaplain. We're going to get into all that stuff, I think. Okay. Is that cool with you? Sure. But honestly, uh John was in the one academic <laughs> biblical class that I have, yeah, um, John was my oh, professor. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. And I, actually, I still go back to assignments and emails, especially in the time I'm in right now, of feeling overwhelmed at times. It was on spiritual formation, and we talked a lot about rest and burnout and um, all the stuff, um, that you go through in ministry. And so I've reflected on a lot of that stuff. So even though that was just a one-time deal for me, it was, uh, very, very influential. Um, but the, the things that I know of John as professor, as a person, um, knowing him and watching and reading, um, a person of peace, of humility, compassion, tenderness, care. Um, and I don't mean that I think sometimes we use the word simple or simplicity in a very negative way, but like there's a a simplicity of your soul and then like you just feel this calmness and peace, um, listening to you, reading your, um, your writings. Um, and I'm grateful and appreciative of that. So
2: welcome. Glad you're here. (laughs) Thanks. Me too. I should pay attention to myself. <laughs> we'll
0: let you know when the episode airs. <laughs> awesome, that'll be
1: perfect. No, but you do have um, you you write a a, da- a daily devotional. Um, I do. Y- You have a couple of websites. You get.
0: A, oh, I, is this the devotional you show me sometimes? Yeah. Oh, I've read your stuff. I, 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 I basically it's great.
1: I basically steal it, yeah. copy paste. <laughs> People think I'm really smart, and I'm like, "So, thank you for being Hi, my Andy underwriter." Is <laughs> is it, twelve published books? Is that right? No, just eleven. Oh, I 11?
2: think I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I what okay. was, uh, there was there was one that I <laughs> saw yesterday. It's it I, maybe it's just on a website. I don't remember Could which be. one it was. Um Before you walk oh, in,
2: oh, that's right. Yeah, before you walk in, that's yeah. twelve. That's 12, we'll get into. Right. Right.
1: Get into all those, but would you, would you introduce yourself as, and I'll stop talking, how you would introduce yourself to a class or a group of people? Who are, who is John, who is John, who is John Swanson?
2: I don't know. Um, I like to help people make sense at really hard times. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? I don't know, um and actually, that's not a flippant response. Um, i I often make sense looking backwards, especially for myself. so I am a I am lousy at planning, I'm lousy at goal setting. Um, I realized a few years ago that I'm better at preparing than I am at planning. Uh, and because I'm a second chair most often, uh, it means that other people are setting the goals, other people are doing that, and then I'm helping with that process. So, um, I don't, I think that I've pretty much always been that way, um, as best as I can tell, um, or there's the framework and I've, <laughs> I've, I've worked at growing into that um I still don't shut up enough but I'm working on it.
0: Um, you're in the you're in the right place. <laughs>
2: so di-
1: different if you would differentiate uh, planning in regard to vision casting you're more of an administrator in preparing for the actual would that be accurate oh, or here,
2: Okay, here's what's funny. Um you tell me what makes sense and then <laughs> then uh, that will make work. Uh I spent <laughs> I spent 25 years of my life as an administrator. Okay. So moved into higher education administration, and then um, was an administrative pastor, executive pastor for a while after that. Um, but it was a thing um, when I was working on my my doctoral dissertation. I was out walking by um, the lake at Concordia Seminary. It's where it's a place that I could find to study. Um, I wasn't going there. Um, but as I walked by the lake, and I thought, um, I can teach, and I love teaching, but there are other people who love teaching even more than I do. Um, I can do research, um, and I was enjoying what I was doing, but other people can do research more. Nobody likes administration. Um, <laughs> and I could do some of it. Um, and so um, there was a... Um, a willing, There was a decision point at that point, and it's like, okay, so I'll go ahead and do administrative stuff in higher ed. So I ended up doing that for, for what amounted to 25 years. <laughs> and then I hit a point where it's like, um, in relation to a position, it's like I'm done with... It's at a stopping point for this. And I'm thrilled that for the last five and a half years I haven't had to make decisions for organizations. <laughs> so other people get to decide about... Whether to cancel church or not, other people get to decide about whether to shovel the sidewalks, other people get to decide where the coffee maker goes. And I don't have to worry about any of those things at all in the politics of it. So um I'm um I'm I don't know whether I'm built to be an administrator, um, but I see how um I see how putting things in order sometimes or responding to needs or um, looking down the road and seeing implications of actions and then making choices about or actually making recommendations to others about what the implications of actions will be um, so that they can decide ends up being what I do. So it worked really well in higher ed um, in being able to be a second chair the associate vice president rather than the vice president. It worked really well in ministry to be the admin rather than the lead. Um, and um, I think it probably works well in conversations with people and what I'm doing now of saying, so here's some things that you could think about. Um, I'm not going to tell you how to handle this situation, but, but have you thought about this? Um, what about this? Um, so I think that that's um, – that's how I most often function. Um, and part of that as well is offering different perspectives. So um, um, coming at things sideways um, or at a little different angle to help people think a little differently than they might have thought um, about biblical stories, about um, – what's going on in their life about what somebody else is trying to, what it appears to be somebody else is trying to do in their life. Um,
1: So do you know where a lot of people aren't comfortable being in the second chair? Mm. What is like maybe your upbringing, how your parents functioned? Is there a way that you think that developed you to be who you are and being comfortable and, and seeing things from different perspectives and being comfortable in the second chair? Um,
2: My dad, um, my dad worked in ministry for his whole career. He spent his whole career with one organization and um, was never the lead there. Um, Started as a, as a staff person and then moved into the main office and, and, Um, was always kind of the vice president. I think at one point wanted to be the president and then at one point got kicked out of the office. (laughs) um, But but even in getting kicked out of the office, he kept doing the work that he was doing, supporting the staff that he was supporting, Mm -hmm. supporting the the ministry. Um, And um, my mom had that hospitality orientation. um, So we'd have people over and – and I'm, I'm probably most comfortable in, um, in figuring out how to be helpful. So how do we make the tech stuff work? Not because I'm a tech person, but because making the tech stuff work gets us to what we're trying to yeah. do. Um, um, helping resolve conflicts gets us toward what we're trying to do. Um, I had this wrestling a while back with video cause I was doing video stuff, but I realized I'm not a video guy. I can do video, but what I'm most important or what I'm most interested in is what's the story that we're trying to tell mm. or even better, what's the understanding that we're trying to arrive at. So, um, if we're, if we're focusing on helping people, um, um, understand something, what are the various ways we can do it? So uh, I grew up in with that being in our house. Um, my degrees are all in communication, um, which is um, oriented toward how do we make meaning, how do we help people understand things. Um, it's funny that you made that comment about um, simplicity because... Um, when I started writing um, at my blog, the focus was um, how can I use as unchurchy language as I possibly can to be talking about, um, about the things that we were talking about. So I started it by walking through the Sermon on the Mount, but it was how can... I mean, no, we went all the way through Matthew. That's right. He did all of the book of Matthew that first year at 300 words at a time um but the focus was how do how can we talk about this not in churchy ways cuz when Jesus was teaching it wasn't in churchy ways um when it was being written it wasn't with layers of church um they were inventing church it was in a it was in a context of spiritual life but they were invent inventing the stuff that we work so hard to protect right now. It's like, wait, maybe it's not the structures. Maybe it's something mm. behind the structures. So um, so I think that, um, so it's, for the record, it's not to say that um, I haven't applied for lead jobs, um, haven't ended up in one time being the lead and it, being an awful experience and another time applying for it, and fortunately not getting it um, but um, yeah i would I wish I could do better at saying, Oh, well <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, first chair. this is how I arrived at being an awesome second chair, <laughs> but there 's something about oh i 'm an awesome second chair that just feels like it's first cherish mm. about saying it it's like, yeah, no I... <laughs> But you've recognized that, like you said, from looking looking
1: back more than forward. And I think there's honor in, as you were explaining that, your parents and I know you've gotten to know our family a little bit and recognizing who my, par- my parents were always behind the scenes. And there's an there's an honor to, I think, in just having a servanthood mentality yeah. of I don't have to be the ones. Uh, I'm thinking about Moses and like uh, you don't have to be the ones raising your hands you it's it, you need people to hold hold their hands up as well you know
2: well, actually there's a different so the the first blog that i wrote um grew out of some writing that i was doing before that and i called it the levite chronicles because there is um as i think about my family um i think up both sides a little bit there's the we're levites in the church, that's the family business, is not the priest, but the ones who um, carried the tabernacle in the wilderness, the ones who ended up really with no property. Um, yeah, yeah. The Levites weren't assigned an area. They got towns within the areas. Um, but their job was that supportive role. Um, and so... So I think that, that Levites function as that second chair role, um, or that support role. So, um, yeah. So having said that and knowing kind of where
1: you're coming from and we talk about your books and your, uh, and the websites and your writing, like a couple of your, uh, a great work, Story of Nehemiah, the um, living a new routine sermon on the Mount. Like as you look at things through different perspectives, that simplistic um, maybe language and seeing things from, from a different, different angle. Can you walk through some of those? Like how, where did you get the inspiration for those? Why those particular books or.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the. Um, So the very first thing I published was an Advent book. Um, That was just the typical Advent um, 24 meditation kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So for for some reason, um, um, so I was helping with adult ministry in the church that we were in and had started looking at Nehemiah, and I don't even remember... What there was about that and then was talking to a guy from the congregation, um, who was wondering about doing a men's Bible study. And, um, I said, Oh, Nehemiah would be an awesome book, not from how we usually use it. So we usually use it as a leadership book. Um, but it, it's kind of a backwards leadership book, actually. So, um, we decided to do that as a Bible study and I, I may have taught that once i'm not sure, but i I had this sense of you know it'd be interesting to write about nehemiah um and to do it as a n an email to some people who are wanting to understand scripture better, and so I wrote the first excuse me, I wrote the first email in that, and um had this sense of starting a conversation, literally starting a conversation with Nehemiah about yeah. the text. So it was the what's going on here and whatever. And it ended up turning into that kind of conversation. So a great work is um, walking through the book of Nehemiah in conversation with Nehemiah. Um, allowing Nehemiah to unpack what's in the book. Um, and what's so funny is, is later, um, a guy wrote, he sent me something, some study questions that he had written for it, um, for his church. And the first study question was, so how do you feel? uh, This was to the, to the, Bible study group, and he said, so how do you feel about the literary device of a fictional conversation with Nehemiah? And when I first read it, it said, it's not a literary device. It's not
0: a fictional conversation. He was right.
2: And then I realized, oh no, yeah, I suppose it is a literary device, but, but for me, it was, um, Nehemiah, um, was, is a real person who actually spent four months morning and evening praying and um, actually did have experience and actually did. And the, for me, the pivotal point of that one, of that particular book, the, the for me, the coolest insight into the text is, I think that it's Nehemiah 3 is this list of people who built, or rebuilt sections of the city. And at first pass, it's one of those... Yeah, this is another list of biblical names that that you skim over. And I realized this is not a genealogy. This is a map. Because when you read through the list, it starts here, and then these people worked on this section, and then these people worked on this section that was literally in front of their houses, and then these people came in and worked on this section, and then... That list ends up back at wow. the beginning. And so what we did in teaching it in the class is, um, handed out a bunch of, uh, tent cards, you know, just folded over index cards and pens and had them, um, had them write who was working on which part. And we put it all the way on the tables around the room and we realized, oh, this is, this is a map of human beings rebuilding Jerusalem, this wall that was wrecked. And it's like, Oh my goodness. This is real people doing real interaction with real wrecked walls, with real fear, with real uncertainty. Yeah. This isn't a leadership book. This is, this is an account of somebody who struggled with God, struggled with people, looked at, um, and so, um, so yeah, I suppose it's a literary device, but, yeah. but for me, I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Um, so that book ended up being that conversation. Um, the other thing that factors in is I think best with my fingertips on a keyboard. That's how I figure out what I'm thinking. And there is a, um, I won't even call it creative writing. So it's not that I'm creating something. It's that, um, sorry in my in my discipline, we talk about it as um, the epistemological function of rhetoric. Okay, what that means simple um, <laughs> is that um, you remember the grade I got in your
1: class, right? right? Okay. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the other. <clears throat> never mind.
2: Start. Um. What happens with discourse is we create meaning, we discover meaning, we figure out what we know. In that process of talking, yeah, it's why in conversation we'll often start talking about something, and it's like, oh, and and um, it's in that process of expression on the outside of our heads that we that we discover stuff, yeah, um, and. Um, God guides that and other people guide that. And so for me, the process of writing does that. And fortunately, um, um, that process of my own discovery, um, ends up being helpful to other people too. So, um, yeah. So oftentimes what you're reading is actually I'm making sense of stuff. Yeah. Fortunately, it makes sense to other people too when I, when I write it. So that's what Nehemiah, the Nehemiah book is, the, the St. Saint John, St. Saint John of the Mall book. Um, Nancy and I were, we started walking at the mall a bunch of years ago. We both realized that we needed it. And so I, I needed to, I felt like I needed to update that advent book. And so we were walking one day and there's this old guy that, was there often, um, and we'd see him sitting on a bench. <laughs> so the question that came to mind was, what if that old guy is St. John? And so St. John of the Mall is a set of conversations with an old guy who just ends up being St. John um, of walking through his conversations with Jesus walking through not just nativity, but also the life of Jesus and um, coming from that. Oh, what if so? Mm. Oh,
0: I, I think it's great that you recognize, I, I wish more people, did, I wish I did more, right? The connection between writing something out typing writing whatever but you know jur- journaling to determine <laughs> hey this is how i feel about something i i mean i'll be the first to admit i only do that when i think something's important enough i, I wish I'd, i th- i bet i would know more about myself and how i feel about things if i spent more time doing that
2: there's a um, i'm just looking at some research right now um so i'll give you the short piece of it um there's some research into a thing called expressive writing that says if you write um, four days for 20 minutes, um, it has an effect on your health. It has an effect on your understanding. But it's not just random writing. Mm-hmm. What it is is um, is um, it works for um, a traumatic event or if you're thinking through something that – Oh, man, This just really derailed me. Mm-hmm. So that that moment, that event of why is this sticking in my head so mm. much? What? right? So you then start writing not for mm. anybody. This is just for yourself, so it's not to share with anybody. Yeah. It's not for any, but if you're writing in that, talking about um, what happened. So what are my feelings about that? Mm. Um, what are the actions that resulted from that? What do I see about that? And I did it yesterday about something that had happened um, just a couple of days before. So I'm new to this as a category, though I've done that kind of work before. Mm-hmm. And in the process of describing the situation, uh, it helped me put some things together wow. about the person that was involved. And it's like, oh, Okay. Um and for me it was it was tying together stuff across history in this particular situation. So I think that um I understand that is it gonna be an important thing, but I think that the um the idea of putting the story in front of us because mm. goodness knows we loop on those things sure. all the time. Sure. Mm, yeah. Mostly about two in the morning. <laughs> um but if we said, All right, I wanna Either handwrite or type. This is this is the issue. This is what actually happened. Mm. Um, this is how it made me feel. Why did it make me feel that way? Um, that there is something um, remarkably clarifying about that, um, if for no other reason than it puts it in front of us so we can actually look at it rather than the loops.
0: Well, like like you said before, you help people see things from a different perspective. Yeah, just cause it's kind of a different angle. Yeah, I like that. Expressive writing, huh?
2: That's what it's called. Yeah, oh. I just Google expressive writing. But it's an, it's an intriguing, um, I've been around the edges of that thinking for a while, but I, um, um, it's starting to think about it in some of the trauma we've seen at the hospital. Um, how could it be helpful? Um, in a sense, the thing that I've done with the, the new advent journal actually it's not in that framework but asking people to to write about to think about what's happened is actually part of that process and so
1: do you think that what makes writing in particular different than being with a group of people or having a conversation what is there something to a pen in your hand and and writing it out as opposed to verbally expressing?
2: Um, I would say either a pen in your hand or at a keyboard. Right. But what that lets you do is stop and it lets you not have to adjust to. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm answering your question. And as I'm answering your question, you're nodding or you're interacting or you're affirming pieces of it. And I'm constantly. We all are calibrating to the sure. people. Sure. Um, mm. Oh, is this making sense? Is this, do I really trust them to be able to say this? There's something about writing that has a private component. So mm. you could write that on a piece of paper and you could burn it, but it's, it's getting it out of inside your head mm. into expressing it somehow.
0: Isn't, isn't there a Psalm? Something I don't know, but it, uh, where David says, my, "My tongue is the pen of a ready writer," that there's this connection with like, I think I think he equates it more with just how how he worships, right? But but there is this connection with I, my thoughts have to have an expression, have to have somewhere to go, to to be something.
2: Well, and even the fact that we have those psalms mm. written, yeah. I mean, yeah. now many of them probably started orally. So it was that oral telling of it, um, which then is captured, but um, the the sheer um, the sheer emotion of many of the psalms, the lament that's there, mm. the anger, the frustration, the whatever, yeah. the fear the the turning the corner um, but but there is a sense even in those that start out with that intensity and then they take that turn of nevertheless, yeah. I will. Um, yeah. that feels like, um, oh, um, in a, in a pre-literate time that would function mm-hmm. in the same way that literate does, but, but that laying it out and then, then arriving at that conclusion. Um, that's interesting. The fact that, um, that God says to at least some of the prophets here, write this down.
0: Yeah. Um. Mm. Yeah. I never noticed that a lot of the, a lot of the Psalms start off way angry, you know, and then kind mm-hmm. of mellow out by the end. That's uh that's, that's fascinating. I've never, never thought of it like that.
1: One of the, I was looking up one of the notebooks that I used to buy called field notes. They're, kind of tagline is i'm not writing it down to remember it later i'm writing it down to remember it now hmm. which i think it, i even think about when as a visual learner myself i i get i'm horrible with names i get introduced to people and as soon as i see it on and connect the dots mm. there's something that solidifies it for me and so yeah when i journal i think the same thing it's not always to remember it later or even to look back, but just to get it out and, Mm. and and express it in that way. Mm. Yeah, that's good. What do you want as an overarching with 12 publications, with a daily devotional that goes out? Like what, what, what do you want to want people to receive? uh, maybe just generally from, from your writing,
2: you know, this morning, um, I used to have this line, and I haven't said it for a while. Um, So I was trying this morning to remember it. But I think that um, there was something like, my passion is to help people emotionally understand the truth of God's work. Um, And Nancy used to hate that. That hates way too strong a <laughs> word, but it 's not talking about emotionalism, and I think t- too often we 're worried about that but but that idea of not just an intellectual understanding but an o- an emotional understanding of the truth not of god 's word but of god 's work so um, which includes his word but um, so I think that um, I want people to have a resonance. Um, not just that intellectual ascent but that emotional resonance with um, with what God's doing so mm. i've 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 tried to figure out um what's my body of work you know what's the what's the thing that's driving it and and on one hand my reaction is i have no idea you know <laughs> i i just do stuff but if you look back through you realize oh so there is an Advent. Um, there was an Advent reader, and then there was another Advent reader, and then there was another um, Advent journal last year, um, and then there's a revised edition of that for this year. Um, there's a Lent journal, um, I mean a Lent book. Um, there's two collections of prayers for two consecutive years that because um, I in I do the. Service at the chapel every Sunday, um, and as part of that, I started writing a prayer that then I put on um, put on my blog. Um, but it's it's interacting with the uh, texts of the week, um, the biblical texts of the week from the lectionary, and interacting with the texts of the week of the lives in the hospital, um, and interacting with. Um, with what I'll be doing in the message to some extent. Um, So I've collected those for two years. And so on one hand, there's this liturgical thread and you go, oh, we'll see what you're doing as you're writing for the seasons of the church. Mm. There is a little bit of that. Um, But part of it is moving us away from points in time to seasons in time and understanding that we are formed in seasons. So, as you think about all of the i think all of them there 's that um, that reading across time um, and that 's a um, that 's a thing that i 'm working on right now is understanding timing better um, in relation to um, In relation to a bunch of things, but just um, what? What are the implications of time and timing for how we think about interacting with each other? Um, it part of it resonates in how we do care for each other, um, because as we look at scripture, scripture is always true. I mean. Um, <laughs> that was a, that was a horrifying pause there, wasn't it? <laughs> um,
0: like, oh my god, what's he gonna say? <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, what? What? Um, well, here's,
2: okay, here was, here was what the cause for the hesitation was. Yes, it's true that human beings did horrible things to other human beings. So, um and in those cases, those are not, um prescriptive for us. They're descriptive mm-hmm. of what happened. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's what was going through my head. Yeah. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> um, So, um, the promises of God are always true. Speaking those promises is not always helpful at a given time. So, I spend a lot of time um, with people right after their loved one has died. And there are some of the promises of God in that moment That are not helpful. Mm. They're true, but they will be, and they will be helpful later, but in that moment to say, um, it is good to come into the house of the Lord. Mm. Yes, that is a true statement. Um, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm glad your dad died. Mm. And, and it's like, um, that's Mm. true. Right. Not that I'm glad that he died, but right, it's true right. that this is the day that the Lord has made. But in that moment, no matter what the comfort of God we are experiencing, um, there are other promises of God that are way more helpful than this is the day that the Lord has made. Um, the um, And I will with you always, even to the end of the earth. That's a way more helpful thing. Mm. Um we have a great high priest that we can come to who understands what our lives are like. That's a way more helpful thing. Jesus knew what it was like for his stepfather to die and what it did to his mom. Okay. So right. <laughs> things can be true, but, but to figure out the helpfulness of, of timing is a thing that I'm working
0: on logos versus rhema kind of thing logos is his word all the time but rhema is what's breathable right and it's what's it's what the holy spirit's doing right now from his word
2: um, in in my discipline we talk about kairos which okay. is which also shows up in um scripture that um at just the right time yeah. christ died for us but there is in in rhetoric in speech training the idea of of timing as well mm. of Okay. Knowing people and knowing situations and knowing scripture. And, um, so those, those times when we go, Oh man, that was just the right word here. Well, there were like 66 books of words to choose. So the fact that yeah. there is this word at this moment is a, in some ways, it's a combination of us getting out of the way and allowing the spirit to speak. Rather than us saying, oh yeah, this is the thing that we're supposed to say at this time. This is the words of affirmation that we're supposed to bring. It's like, so.
0: Wow, that's interesting.
2: That's a, that's a place where timing, where I'm trying to understand timing. And that, I'm assuming comes a lot from the,
1: the, one of the latest books you've got, is that right? This is hard?
2: Could be. I mean, very similar (laughs) of, What to say when. Yeah, that, that book grows out of those conversations in rooms, um, and, um, where people are saying, I don't know why I'm feeling this way or I don't know why I can't think or, um, and so it's just a, it's a really short book with really short chapters of um, things that I say to people Mm. like this is hard. Yeah. This moment is a hard moment,
0: and if you follow that, those two things all the way out, right? All of a sudden, the seasons of the 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 calendar seasons, right, aren't what define what God's doing, right? Like you're not just learning denial in Lent, right? You're not just you're not just celebrating Christ like God's promise to to save the earth in Christmas or Easter right if you follow that all the way out like it's whatever's appropriate for the season right mm-hmm. is, is am, I, am i am i hearing that am i hearing what you're saying and, or did I stretch it too much
2: um <laughs> well i don't know um when i think about advent for example yeah. i think about the the, his, the ancient history of advent is that it's looking at um it's reviewing christ's first coming and it's um anticipating Christ's second coming and it's acknowledging that we we live in between those Mm. two and that given that he waited more than a generation, it means that he is aware of um, life and death and suffering and pain and all of those things and that somehow those are not accidents Mm. But those are part of what it means to be in this season of waiting. And so the idea of talking about Advent having both first coming and second coming and season between. Mm. Um, but what they do do is they take us away from um some of the, the – oh, man, I hate this language. They take us away from some of the secular created holidays and they root them in something a little deeper. Mm. So – um, the fact that, in the church, we often focus on um, extra biblical holidays, um, and we make them be so important um, so for example, we put this incredible focus on mother 's Day, which creates incredible pain for an incredible number of people sure. and is extra biblical as opposed to thinking about um, as opposed to thinking about some of the church holidays mm. um, or some of the biblical holidays. It goes back to um, – so one of the things in the Nehemiah book is looking at um, at the seasons that are reflected in what God taught the Israelites as the seasons to do. So there were daily rituals, and there were weekly rituals, and there, in fact, were monthly rituals – and then there's these seasonal things that are telling the stories of redemption and telling the stories of um deliverance and telling mm-hmm. those stories so that as you're going up to the temple every year you're, you're remembering God's story. Yeah. Yeah. Um and then the the um, every 7 years and then the once in a lifetime kind of thing. Um so but all of them are built around remembering the story that God is telling. So he built in, built that into their lives of, let's remember the stories that God is telling. Mm. Um, so, which completely doesn't answer your question. All right. But you've forgotten it and I have too. So we went to a smarter place and we, <laughs> and we can replay it anyway. So yeah, that uh, the way that
1: seeing things from different angles, bringing, I think for me, a lot of times when you talk through scripture and share story, scriptural story, it brings uh, it brings it to life in some ways, like just as you described Nehemiah and Saint John of the Hall and uh the reality that this isn't a history book yeah. of facts, but these are real people, and in some ways we are living a life similar and in some ways slightly different, mm-hmm. but we are a part of god's story and so I think that gives a great um, foundation to who you are and your your books and, and and the language and I look forward to kind of digging in um, next week with some more uh, a little bit more current maybe of what your life has been, your um, job as hospital chaplain through. Covid nineteen and continuing, Sound, in that. super fun. Yeah, it's oh, going to yeah. be great. Uh, but I think it'll be an insightful and hopefully helpful.
0: <laughs> and
1: hopefully we'll be back. For
2: another yeah. <laughs> please, please,
0: please stay. Please stay for one more week.
2: <laughs> and then we'll get past Sean. It will be fine. <laughs> one more week and find somebody fun. Yeah, oh, no. Awesome. no, 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 no. <laughs> So All fun. right. So, yeah. we'll uh we'll
1: see y'all next week. Yeah. Bye. Peace.